about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. For you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been with you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Well, good evening. Great to be with you this evening. Uh, let me add my welcome to Kez's. My name's Andrew Errington. I'm the senior minister here. Uh, and I hope uh, in uh, the midst of all this week and the disruption that you're doing okay. Let's pray as we think about that part of scripture together. Lord, may your word live in us and bear much fruit to your glory. Do not let your hearts be troubled, says Jesus to the disciples. That's a sentence that strikes a chord, don't you think? For this is certainly a time of troubled hearts. Your heart being troubled means being anxious and ill at ease deep within. Uh, do you feel like that sometimes? I think I do. I think I do at the moment ill at ease, unsettled at a really basic level. I think it's easy to feel this way in a world full of uncertainty and fear, especially easy when a pandemic once again washes away our plans like sandcastles. It's easy in a world threatened by a changing climate or seismic geopolitical change or creeping economic difficulty it's easy to feel troubled 
in heart, to feel a deep unsettledness about our lives, about our futures, about our place in the universe. Even without all of this, it would be easy anyway to feel this way because each day we all have to live with our own weaknesses and doubts, with choices we feel pretty uncertain about and with our mistakes. Even when the surface of our lives looks smooth and clear, there's often turmoil underneath. Now, it's mostly unwise to begin a sermon by trying to face all our existential angst head-on like this. Uh, What I've just said probably won't have connected with all of you watching, though it may have connected too much with some. But I still think it's the right way to begin turning towards our passage this evening. Because in it we hear Jesus' words to his disciples on the night before he was crucified. And they are words of comfort. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he says. They're words of comfort, not just at a surface level, like somebody who says, don't worry, I'm sure it'll be all right in the end. But comfort at a deep level. Approaching a darkness blacker than anything any of them had ever experienced before, Jesus tells the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. And they're words for us too. I'm going to discuss this passage in two stages. I'll just get you to make the thing live so I can click it along. There we go. Thank you so much. I'm going to discuss this passage in two stages. Uh, First, I'm going to take us fairly quickly through the passage as a whole and try to show how it unfolds. Uh, And then I'm going to spend a bit of time thinking about how we might respond to it today. First then, let's consider how this passage unfolds. Well, it unfolds, I think, in three stages. In the first stage, Jesus tells the disciples why they don't need to be troubled in heart, why they can be confident, and that's because they know the way to the Father's house. And then in the second and third stages, Jesus responds to the disciples pushing back. First Thomas, then Philip push back against what he's saying. They query what he said because they feel like it's not, it's not quite enough. And Jesus pushes back again and says, no, it is enough. You really do know the way. You really are already there, in a sense. So let's begin with Jesus' words in the first verses, verses 1 to 4. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Why do the disciples not need to have troubled hearts? Why why don't they need, why can they be confident? Because they may be sure that they are on the way to the Father's house. Jesus is going to prepare a place for them with God the Father and he will come back and take them to be there with him. They know the way, he says. The path before them is sure and their destination 
is clear and secure. The last statement in verse 4, though, you know the way to the place where I'm going, that worries Thomas, one of the disciples. And so in verse 5, he pushes back. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You can see why Thomas asks this, can't you? The disciples feel completely lost. Where is Jesus going? What does he mean by they know the way? They don't feel like they know the way. They don't feel like they know much at all. But Jesus wants them to see that they know much more than they think they do. Because the destination is not merely somewhere in this world, but in heaven. Jesus is going to God. Back in chapter 13, verse 1, uh, you don't have to remember, but we preached on this before Easter, and you might remember, but if you want, go and check it, 13, verse 1. John has told us that it was now the time, the hour had come for Jesus to leave this world and go to the Father. That's where he's going. He's leaving this world and going to the Father. And because that is the destination... The truth is that the disciples know much more than they think they do. They actually do know the way because they know Jesus. And he is the way. Those who know him, and only those who know him, know the Father. And so he says to Thomas, from now on you do know him. You've even seen him, in a sense. You know much more than you think, says Jesus. You think you don't know anything, but you do. But again, this is all too cryptic for at least one of the disciples, Philip. He probably speaks for more of them, though, I think. Philip pushes back now in verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. It's easy to kind of think Philip's a bit of a slow learner here or kind of make fun of him a bit, but actually I think we can see why Philip says this. He wants more clarity here. He wants more certainty. He wants to be able to put another pole in the ground, connect the dots. Okay, Jesus, you're going to the Father, whatever that means. Could you show him to us and and then we'll get it? But that isn't how this works. That would be a different way. There is only one way before the disciples, and it is Jesus himself. Look how Jesus answers Philip in verse 9. He makes quite a long speech here. I'll, 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 I'll read it through, and then we'll talk about it a little. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe? that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these 
because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, there's a lot in this speech, of course, and we won't be able to get into it as much as we might like. We can come back to it in the question time if you'd like to. What I want us to see, though, is actually just the main thrust of what Jesus says here. His main point is that Philip's request that Jesus show them the Father in some other way, just show us the Father, says Philip, that request is a mistake because Jesus is already showing them the Father in himself. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. For the Father is in Jesus, working in him, speaking with authority in him. Jesus kind of says, you know all these things I've been saying, you know those words I've been saying, and everybody's been recognizing the authority. They weren't my words. They were, the Lord, they were God's words. They were the Father's words. You know all these works I've been doing. They're not just my works, are they? And because Jesus is saying, the Father is working in me and speaking with authority in me, and because Jesus is going to the Father, he says, the Father will continue working through him in the disciples. And the disciples' prayers to Jesus will be powerful. That's, that's the main thing Jesus is saying there about prayer, I think. He's just drawing attention to the fact that if they can pray to him, right? if the disciples are going to be able to pray to Jesus, to ask for things in his name, that is profound evidence that the Father is in him and he is in the Father. You can't pray to someone who is not God. Jesus says he himself is the place where God and the way to God has been opened up. Well, that briefly is how this passage unfolds. That's the broad shape of it. There's lots of uh, details we could talk further about. But let's move on now just to try and think about it a bit further and ask how might it speak to us and connect with us today? When Jesus first spoke these words to the disciples, what he wanted to do was to reassure them. He knew that they were about to go through something profoundly challenging, something that would make them doubt everything they thought they knew, that would make them doubt all the confidence they had put in him. They were about to witness him be arrested, humiliated, and executed as a as a criminal, if there was anything, right, if there was anything to make them come unstuck, if there was anything to trouble their hearts, it was this. If there was anything that would make it seem like Jesus didn't know what he was doing after all, certainly that he was not especially favoured by God, what they were about to face would do it. Do just make sure you remember for a moment, the context of these words. This very night, Jesus will be snatched away, seized in an awful arrest. And everything the disciples have worked for and thought they knew will seem to unravel. It would have been enough to mess with anyone. It would mess with me. 
It did mess with them. But Jesus says, guys, don't, don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You haven't made a blunder. You haven't got on the wrong train. This is the real deal. This is the way. Whatever happens, don't doubt that this is the place. You won't regret this decision. You know the way. He says, I am the way. And you know why, Jesus says? You know why you can know for sure that you haven't hitched your wagon to the wrong cart here? Because he says, I am the way in a much deeper sense than you can imagine. Jesus says he is not just one of many possible ways. And so the other ones might have been a bit easier, frankly, for the disciples. No, he is the way because the Father is in him. And he is in the Father. Don't you believe, Jesus asks Philip, that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Believe me, he says in verse 11. When I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The Father is in him and he is in the Father. God is not just a bit more obvious in him. God is not just a bit more accessible. God is him. That's why Philip's question is misguided. There is not some other way in which Jesus could show the disciples the Father, for he is where the Father is shown. There is no God other than the God who's made known in Jesus. That's who God is, the one who shows himself in Jesus. And that's why the disciples don't need to be troubled, despite what's coming That's why they may have a deep peace in their heart. Because Jesus is not just a revelation of God. He's not just a great man, a prophet, a great spiritual teacher, even the clearest of many paths to the knowledge of God. No, he is the God who who is revealed. He is God revealing himself. If you really know me, says Jesus, then you will know my Father as well. Friends, I really hope you will hear these words of reassurance today too. Or perhaps as words of of encouragement if you're still finding your way to Christian faith. There are lots of reasons that it can seem like Jesus is not a good bet. And that we've made a mistake to follow him. Christian faith can ask much of us. It can ask us to make sacrifices in our work with our money. It can ask us to say no to desires, even very powerful ones. It can make us feel ashamed before family and friends who think it's backward or naive. There are lots of reasons it can seem like following Jesus is not really enough for what we're facing. Look at all the challenges and the things that lie before us, right? Is following Jesus going to cut it? 
But Jesus says to us here, as he said to the disciples, don't panic. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't fear. You haven't made a blunder. This is the place. In my Father's house are many rooms, and I am the way there. And if you have me, you have everything that matters. There are lots of things that trouble us and unsettle us. Lots of very real challenges and difficulties in the world today and in each of our lives. But Jesus wants to give us a deep calm at the center out of our being by assuring us that our final destination is locked in and the way is clear. He has made room for you and for me in the Father's house. And he, he wants to be there with us. There is a kind of uncomfortable edge to this reassurance, though, that we shouldn't pass over. For if Jesus really has this utterly unique relation to God, then, then he is not one of many paths. He is the path, as we've already said. And he says as much quite plainly, doesn't he? No one comes to the Father except through me, he says. That was actually a pretty offensive thing to say when John's Gospel was first written. It is pretty offensive today, too. Why does it have to be like this? Why do Jesus' words of comfort and assurance have to come with this difficult, abrasive edge? Well, the key to the answer, again, is to remember the context of Jesus' teaching. We are hearing these words in the shadow of the cross. And what the cross reminds us is that the way to the Father, it was no easy journey. We like to think it is an easy journey. We like to think that we can know God and reach Him and befriend Him in a whole range of ways, perhaps by our sincere spiritual beliefs or our earnest philosophy, perhaps by our genuine religion. But the easy God of our casual imagining is not the true God, and the way is shut that way. It is shut because of our sin, because of all the ways in which we have ignored God and failed to Him and all the ways we fail to care for those around us as we should. And those failures, they're not minor problems. They're not little speed bumps. They're a big problem. They mean that although God is in one sense always very near to us, the Bible says that in him we live and move and have our being. He's close Yet in another sense, he is very far away. In fact, we, we can't reach him on our own anymore. No, the only way we have is the way that was beaten back, carved open, laid with sweat and blood and tears at the cross. For that is what it meant 
That's what Jesus meant when he said, I am going there to prepare a place for you. That sounds very lovely. Sounds like he's going off to a and b You know, put out the nice white linen. Where did I put the port glasses? No. That wasn't an easy journey. They were not pleasant preparations he had to make. It cost him dearly to go and prepare a place for us. And that's why he did not get the peace that he gives to us. You may remember this from when we looked at John chapter 13 before Easter, but I'll draw attention to it again now. No need for you to remember. Twice in the previous chapters, John tells us that Jesus experienced the deep distress of heart that he here spares the disciples. In chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled. It's the same kind of words we have in our passage. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Jesus kind of asks, is that the prayer I want to pray? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And in chapter 13, verse 21, John tells us that after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. You see, this is what it meant for Jesus to be the way. It meant for him to be the place where the life of God reached out to us in the most profound and costly grace and mercy, giving of himself to save us, journeying all the way into the dark, far country of our sin to bring us back. And that's why Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Because this is the place where God reveals himself in grace. So believe in him, friends. Believe in him. Believe that in him the way to the Father has opened up, that the Father is in him and he is in the Father. Believe in him deeply as the God you worship. Make this time, and your whole lives, but especially this time, make it a time of faith, of believing in Jesus, of putting your trust in this one, this place. For in Jesus, God has reached out to us in grace and made the way for us to come to him. And this is the place. And our confidence in him is not misplaced. Whatever challenges the coming weeks hold, whatever anxieties you face each day, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in him. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.